You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new documentary, Transcendent Man, our guest today, Barry Ptolemy, chronicles the life and ideas of Ray Kurzweil, an inventor and futurist who presents his bold vision of the singularity, a point in the near future when technology will be changing so rapidly that we will have to enhance ourselves with artificial intelligence to keep up. Transcendent Man had its Tribeca Film Festival World premiere screening April 25th in New York. Barry Ptolemy, welcome to film school. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, how are you doing today? Is everything good? Everything's great. You well, find find the station all right? We did. <laughs> yeah, right here at UCI. Great yeah. place to be. Yeah, it is. It's a wonderful campus. Now, how did you run into uh, Ray Kurzweil? What was your first uh, take on him? Were you reading or watching or uh, My bumping? real introduction to Ray, uh, besides being kind of in my peripheral field of vision and, and, and thoughts, was uh, through his landmark book, The Singularity is Near. And it was in that book that um, I became really well-versed with Ray's ideas. And, and it was that book that inspired myself and my wife, Felicia, to contact Ray and to see if we could, in fact, uh, meet him and talk about making a film. Now, a lot of his ideas are fairly controversial, and, and we'll get into that. But uh, did you find yourself agreeing with everything he was saying? Did, were you a converted by it, do you think? I, I, the, the interesting thing here is that actually these ideas in his book were really a reintroduction to ideas I had when I was uh-huh. very, very young. Um, and so it was, it was very exciting actually to be reintroduced to these ideas. So I already was guilty of being an optimist. I was already <laughs> guilty of having a lot of these, a lot of these ideas and seeing technology yeah. growing exponentially. But of course he's able, he was able to articulate them and use empirical science in ways I never had. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Now, he's, how, how did you get in touch with him? Was your first step to do that in making the film is to get in touch with him to be sure he'd be on board? Well, we actually were developing the ideas for about a year prior to us getting in touch. So we were committed to making a film, and um, it was probably about a year um, later when we decided, you know, we're going to really make this a film that's going to focus on him, his life and his ideas, Ray's life and ideas, and we'll frame it through him. And so that's when we contacted him personally. Was was he uh, initially open to the idea? He was or? remarkably open, um, and uh, you know Ray is a, is is a person. I have to say, at least our experience with him is somebody who he doesn't like to say no. He likes to say yes. He likes uh, to do things. He likes to make things happen. So he's very much a yes man in that way. Yeah, now, now the, you have a bio on your website, which is it was a fine website too. I enjoyed. There's there's so many websites I go to in regarding film, and they're not they're, they're not telling me a lot about what's going on, uh-huh. except it's playing somewhere, and I should go see it. Sure. But there's a lot of nice background information, a lot of press materials there. Uh, this uh, it's chock full of good information, including the trailer, which is a lot of fun. I think that's what brought me into it in the first place is seeing the trailer that you put together. But the description of Kurzweil that you have there. Uh, just the bio. Uh, it's been described as the restless genius by the Wall Street Journal, the ultimate thinking machine by Forbes. Uh, they, uh, Forbes ranked him uh, 
number eight among entre- entrepreneurs in the United States, calling him the rightful heir to Thomas Edison. I mean, this this just goes on and on. And it, some of his inventions are just uh, mind-boggling. And, and the clip that I like that really uh, uh, sold me on the documentary that kind of brings you into it is the, uh, the uh, early Steve Allen uh, quiz show that's right that chris file is on where he's bringing an invention of his into it can you right. talk a little bit about his, his inventions well you know ray is comfortable and and proud of being first and foremost an inventor so that's why his bio leans so heavily in in his, the introduction of him being an inventor we thought it was appropriate that we we do that in the movie as well so you know when you see a person who's 17 years old in 1965 build a computer out of spare parts um, yeah. You know, you're likely to have some respect for the individual <laughs> and his ideas a- as we move along into the film. So that was kind of the reason there. And, and, and you know, as you've read there, his bio, it's that's literally the tip of the iceberg. I mean, he's yeah. done so many other things and started so many businesses. Um, he really is the restless genius in my mind. Yeah, I, the thing. I'm sorry, I, but the, the thing that. Uh, about the businesses, uh, there's. I think you posed the question to him: How many businesses in in the film? Mm-hmm. How many businesses has he started and been involved in? And it's. He, I don't even know if he knows. Yeah. you know, <laughs> there's been so many. <laughs> yeah, and they all seem to have been fairly successful. Yeah. They've done amazing things. That yeah. the uh, I think the thing he's probably most noted for in the invention world is. Uh, I, I think the technology of the flatbed scanner that led to the ability for blind people to have right. anything read back to them. That's uh, right, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, in that regard, he doesn't strike me as a, a, a man or a person who really cares about money in the sense that he, even though he is several times over a millionaire, it, it doesn't appear to me from the film that he has – it just seems to be a means to an end. It's not in and of itself an end. That, that's really who he is. I mean, he's a guy who owns, he has one car, he has one house, he doesn't have a boat, he doesn't have a plane. Although he could have many, many of these types of things, he's fascinated by moving on to the next project, the next technology, the next venture. And uh, that's really the hallmark of Ray Kurzweil. Yeah, it's quite touching to, to see the uh, reaction among the people in the film, the blind people in the film, oh. to the reaction to the reader that he has been refining over many years. And uh See, see the reaction that they have to be able to essentially take a picture That's right. and have it read back to them. Sure. Are, it's life-changing. It is, it, it is, are we getting to a point uh, in, in the development of the, this uh, technology that we can say to, with some qualifications here that we're – the blind are beginning to be able to see in a way that they it, it is. And that's what Ray, that's what the film is about. You know, we're trending, these technologies are trending towards being integrated with us. We have actually uh, bionic eyes that are being developed right now. They'll be actually superior to human eyes, the same size as a human eye, but they'll be able to record uh, HD information right uh, into a chip. And um, of course, that, that's an information technology. So that'll be growing exponentially. So we're literally a few years away from, um, a blind person being able to get a bionic eye put in. What, one of the things about the Transcendent Man, the film, uh, by the by the way, we're speaking with Barry Ptolemy, and uh, I want that, that you introduce into this discussion, this profile of Ray Kurzweil, the, uh, his own family mm-hmm. and his upbringing mm-hmm. and the relationship he had with his father, particularly is an important relationship in his life. Was that something you knew anything about going into the film, or is something you kind of discovered as you went? It, it yeah. truly is something that w- was stumbled upon. And when I found that, and when I found the f- 
the, you know, the father-son story, as it were, the traditionally, the mythological father and son story, I knew we had something. And we could, when we could frame it in that way, I knew that we would be able to hook people in an, er- an entertaining narrative way and they would then be able to get the message about technology, but it would be framed with this father and son story. So I was very excited to have discovered that yeah. and to be able to have brought it out. It really kicks this film into a whole other sort of strata in terms of its its ability to tell a story because you get context with this relationship that he had with his father. Yeah. And it's, is it fair to say that there are an awful lot of sort of un, unresolved issues with his father, or do you think he's... Are, is you, that, are you turning into the psychologist? Well, no, it just seems that there are things that, that have made him the person he is, Sure, his I, relationship. No, I think you're right. I don't think he is one to even shy away from that yeah. definition, as you described it. And, um, you know, I think, let's face it, our parents' um, presence or our lack of them is the biggest influence in our lives. Yeah. You know, So to, to have a, a father figure lost at, at, at age 20 is significant. No. Mm-hmm. Now let's get into the, the meat of it now. The the singularity. Good, uh, good, good. Yeah. How how does that work? I I, I could give my own uh, broken no, explanation. I wouldn't even try. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even try. No, you defi- you actually had a great definition earlier, and there's several definitions and several interpretations. Um, you know, Ray's definition is that it will be a point in the future where things will be happening so fast that we won't be able to keep up unless we merge with the machines mm-hmm. that we are creating. So we'll be merging with the very technology that it's speeding up. Um, and that's that's his definition. There's other definitions. Um, but that's the one that he stays with. That's the one that we kind of used in the film to define the singularity. Mm-hmm. But with the, the implications of that, and it, it, I mean, it's just, it, he, he defines a point, I think, at about 2029 when we're going to uh, enter into that realm. But the implications of doing that are are so vast and so deep that it it seems like this will eventually uh, lead to a world where we might at some future point just shed our bodies completely. Is that well? Make- yeah, I mean, well, first of all, two thousand twenty nine is a year where a computer would reach a level in hardware and software capabilities where it could it could basically uh, be a human. Does this word. relate to Moore's law? Is that so? Well, Moore's law is the foundation, which the law that says uh, a computer chip will be able to um, increase its computation every year, like clockwork, and he yeah, can double its he, computation he, he, ability yeah, every right, couple of correct. years a year. Whatever. So Ray took Moore's law and he built upon it and said, "No, Moore's law is just really it, it's one part of the overall evolution, universal evolutionary." scheme of things. And it's just one part, but we've been doing this all the way back to the Big Bang. We, things have been growing exponentially. And that is, in fact, actually the case. So this is the singularity, getting back to this sort yeah. of ongoing definition of it is this idea that in order to keep up with this burgeoning, this exploding technology, we will increasingly, parts of us will become machine Right. Well, embedded or right. or wedded to the idea of being part of a machine, and then right. eventually, as we progress, become machines, machines, yeah. machines, biological machines. Bi- well, at first, biological, primarily, or mosh, as Ray says, mostly original substrate human. <laughs> but we will become less and less biological, and we'll become more and more non-biological, and that's where the action will be. You'll be able to travel at electronic speeds in virtual reality. And and you really won't be interested in your biology any longer, I believe. This is and and another thing about this film is you introduce contrarians. You introduce sure. people 
that while they applaud what Ray has been able to accomplish in his life, they are the ones who are saying, well, wait a minute. There are other factors that have come into play here, and while it's it's an ennobling idea in some way, we, ha- we, we have to really step back and look at this more realistically in their terms. Sure, and that's what Ray wanted, too. You know, yeah. Ray wants to have this public debate about these ideas because we're going to have to face this here quite soon. In the next decade, it's going to start to get very, very fast, and um, we ought not to be caught off guard by it, but we ought to embrace it and talk about it and discuss it at every level. Okay. So this this singularity, uh, to me, seems inevitable, whether we want it or not. It seems that technology is on this exponential path that it's ultimately going to overwhelm us in a way that we, uh, just given our general makeup, given the way we're driven to do things, we'll want to embrace it. If if somebody said to me that I could uh, live an extra five years, I, I think I would take that opportunity. Sure. And most I, people would when, when actually push comes to shove, I think. You know, people will dismiss technologies, uh, you know, from an armchair, but when they're, you know, their mother's in a hospital bed, they will tend to embrace it, mm-hmm. you know. But, but uh, at the same time, uh, is how is that going to change us as humans? And and that's I think the real question yeah. is is will there be any human factor anymore after uh, the singularity? Sure. Not right well, away. I mean that's Ray's biggest point is that it will actually increase our humanity. It will extend our humanity, and that's what technology has always done since we've taken the first branch from a tree. It has extended our reach. We have always, I had this conversation with Philip Glass. Um, I was just taken again by the music he played in the introduction, yeah. beautiful. But, you know, we were talking about that very question. And he said, I don't know, will technology really do that, Barry? And I said, well, what would happen if I were to take away your technology, the piano? And he gave me a wry smile, and he understood <laughs> immediately where I was going. Because without his piano, this technology, he would not be as human as he is with it. And I think that's the case with all technologies. Uh, of course, we can use them for, for good or for bad, but they do increase our ability to be human. Mm-hmm. There is a, you have the, an expert on uh, artificial intelligence, and uh, is it Goetzel? Gertzwell. Gertzwell. Ben Gertzwell. And I, I loved, whenever he was talking, I, just, I found him to be fascinating. He really summarized a lot of the points of the film yeah, yeah. very well yeah. in terms of, I'm sitting across from something that is part man, part machine, at what point it will tell me that it's human, do I believe it? Right. I mean, how am I supposed, what, by what right. criteria do I actually believe right. that it is That's right. what it says it is? And that whole question will become moot, as he points out in the film, because you don't question my consciousness and I don't question yours. We take it for granted. And I think you will, too, a machine, once it becomes so sublime as a human, so intelligent, so sophisticated, so masterful at creating a work of art that will blow your mind, that you'll have, you won't even consider it to be a machine anymore. It, it's just it, 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 there's it's hard to put, wrap your mind around this yes. idea. Yes. It really is given where we are today, where I am today. I mean, sure. I I dabble in technology, sure. and then and then, but this idea that it will suddenly in in, in my lifetime will right. become the primary force in in well, determining know, it, my future you know, is you, just cer- certainly. You say like you dabble in it, for example, Mike. But actually, technology it completely surrounds you in ways that are transparent to you, and you don't even recognize. Uh, and have for thousands of years, animal husbandry, agriculture, democracy, our very society itself, these laws, uh, this, this music that surrounds us in this room, the, the, this radio station itself, 
Um, these are all technologies, and we really already are a human-machine civilization. We haven't merged completely yet and integrated at the nano level, but we really are a human-machine civilization even today. And since technology is in some way an extension of us, in all technologies, it's whether it extends our eyesight or our ability to walk, move, whatever it is, it, it's an extension of us, right. then we have to consider the, uh, the, this dystopian Sure. Viewpoint you because we, it, it is part of what we are. That's right. And you do have people in the film who bring this up. That's and, right. Uh, That's right. My daughter, I have a three and a half year old daughter, and she loves to play with her her blocks. She loves to build these towers, and she equally loves to tear them down. Mm. And these, so she's enjoying the creative and the destructive side of her personality. And we have done that as well. And we will use technologies for better or for and for worse. And we have for a long, long time. But primarily, humans use technologies for better, by large, by far and large. Yeah. And um, sometimes, you know, we happen to put a spotlight on the negative aspects, but but we tend to use them for, for good. Uh, otherwise, we couldn't even be here talking right now. This, uh, oh, by the way, we're speaking with Barry Ptolemy. The film is Transcendent Man. It chronicles the life and ideas of Ray Kurzweil. And uh, does... Ray ever addressed that point about uh, the, the the evil side of of the use of the singularity. Does he ever? Uh, is there, are there safeguards somewhere that we can in, put into the creatures or or whatever it is uh, that's governing uh, the the machinery that we're destined to become? Sure. I mean, he's on, he sits on the you know army's advisory board, for example. So there, he's already looking at ways that we can, in the near future, the first thing that we'll have to really look at seriously is how to protect ourselves from biological agents. And that's going to be, as we, as the bio, biotechnology revolution ramps up, we'll have to have safeguards uh, designed to be able to thwart, you know, uh, diseases that could all of a sudden create a pandemic really quickly. And so he's involved in that. And as we venture into nanotechnology, there'll have to be ways to safeguard those technologies as well. But he does talk about it quite a bit. He doesn't shy away from it, and uh, he wants people to talk about it. The, the, uh, the point that I always go back to, the, the one uh, negative point, uh, and it was the uh, the fellow that we mentioned earlier that, that you like. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was talking about uh, ultimately these machi- machines will create. will look at us the way we look at ants, essentially, because they'll be that many times more powerful, that many times smarter than us, and they'll treat us like ants. They'll, they will extinguish us with no, no thought at all. That's actually Hugo de Garris's comment, okay. and, which is different from Ben Gertzel's and different from Ray's comment. I disagree with Hugo's comment. We did bring him in as a contrarian. But actually, as Ray points out, there will be no we and they in terms of these growing AIs. Uh, you know, I think Hugo doesn't give enough credit to the sh- what technology has done in computers, which have shrunk and continue to shrink. So what used to be in uh, a building now is in your shirt pocket. What's in your shirt pocket in 25 years will be in a red blood cell. And we are going to merge with our computers while they become more sophisticated, more sublime, more powerful. So when we talk about uh, walking into a room in 2029, you're not going to be able to put the AIs on one side of the room and the humans on the other. They're, we're going to be merging. So it, to say we're okay. going to be looking... AIs are going to be looking at humans is just not, I don't think, an accurate way to look at what the reality is going to be. I, f- I feel like a Lilliputin here in the sense that I'm, pu- I'm pulling, tugging at the uh, at a giant here in the sense of I- this idea that's a- is upon us. I just want to know what the implications are for the MBA. 
That's, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and 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 the thing, uh, and going back to what you were you mentioned just a second ago about uh, race that's on the uh, a board for the U.S. Army, mm-hmm. I, I, I get nervous when I when it, when you think about who's embracing this technology m- more more wholeheartedly than maybe any other sector of our society, which is the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. We know that there are plans on the board, you know, on the board for merging. You know, making that the, the the Uber soldier sort mm-hmm. of idea come to come to pass, mm-hmm. and that's where this makes me nervous sure. because the resources are there, the 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 technology, the capability to make that kind of thing happen, and it would be it would be such a tragedy to see the manifestation of these ideas in the form of the military as the first option here. Right. You know, you know well, you know, I think, again, the more powerful technology I would posit would be our very democracy and our ability to control our military. And that, I think these, these technologies are very democratizing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, power continues to go to the people. Uh, we've just witnessed that this uh, past November in an election, the first black president. And um, mm-hmm. you cannot keep um, a good man down, as it were. You cannot keep the truth down, as it were. We are disseminating information faster and faster. And so when you talk about the military in this way, I think that going forward, it's going to be difficult to wage wars, for example, that we won't, as a group of people, want to be a part of. And um, so, again, you have to, you know, when you talk about technology, you have to look at the, you have to look at the implications of all the technologies. Yeah. We're speaking with Barry Ptolemy. The film is Transcendent Man. Uh, I was wondering... How is it going for you, uh, the film-wise, leave, leaving the singularity behind and, and just the, uh, uh, you know, on-the-ground stuff right now? Uh, you had the uh, Tribeca premiere. Was that well-received? It was remarkably well-received, even more than our expectations. And, and um, you know, uh, he actually got two nano-enhanced uh, cyber thumbs way, way up, I think was one of the <laughs> comments. But, um, no, the reviews have been really, really good. Um, from all the papers, and um, and we couldn't be happier. It premiered. It, it was sold out in an hour from when tickets originally went on sale. So we had a really good, great, robust following, and um, we couldn't be happier. Right. Now, uh, last time I read, you, there was no distributor for the film. Is That's, there a distributor? No, we we are in talks. I can't talk about sure. that right now. But I always hear that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's it. happening right now. Well, um, good. Congratulations yeah. on that. Now, now there there is uh, the, the, I I as I said to you, I admitted off off mic here that I was not familiar with Ray's work prior mm, to this right. film. Nathan was much more familiar, and I. I, I was afraid. familiar with the keyboard, yeah, and I knew he made other inventions, but I wasn't familiar with the singularity at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the, the keyboard. Uh, let me understand that right. It was the uh, the first really uh, sampling piano keyboard ever. Is that right? Correct? He was yeah, able to create well. acoustical sounds that were truly genuine acoustical sounds on a keyboard for uh, the first time in about 1984, I believe. Yeah, I, I think it's it's funny that he has his uh, Kurzweil piano. Inside a uh, a regular piano, you know, right. a regular grand piano. That's right. Yeah. He still he still holds on to the uh, to the old. Yeah. The well, the, that idea, stuff. that idea that, that this this first thing that he put his mind to was something that's directly related to what his father that's was right. was doing, sure. and yeah. how he thinks and he, he touts his father as being a very undervalued uh, musical um, artist and uh, not really appreciated for the for the work that he did. Were you able to? Did you hear any of his father's work? Is we did. We listened to a few pieces that his father had 
composed and and conducted he was also a conductor mm-hmm. and they're quite they're quite beautiful we couldn't integrate him into the film and and we did try at one point but that didn't that didn't work out um but yeah his father was obviously a genius in his own right yeah. so it's really quite remarkable the just to see the, this this interplay now uh given Ray's stature, and again, I, I may have mentioned it. I mentioned as well. I have a friend who just has read everything he's ever written, and mm-hmm. just thinks he's. And there is almost a messianic uh, uh, adulation of of Ray the, among the, the people who know of his work. Did you find uh, that to be? I mean, is that is that putting in the wrong terms, or is no, there? No, that's a great point. Uh, there's there. He has a following of people who believe. You know, uh, they wouldn't say it like this, but he's looked at as a kind of a modern day prophet. And um, we touch on that in the film. And, um, you know, but it's true what you're saying. One of the the things that you say, what is brought up in the film is that Ray's, one of his, his, uh, the abilities he's been able to synthesize so much information. And, and he's been, he basically has taken things that are, have happened, are happening and extrapolates them in a very sort of methodical way. Mm -hmm. But he's criticized because he takes it. He's taken it to the point of singularity, or whatever you want, whatever else. It's funny how other people can extrapolate information, mm-hmm. and they they don't get the same kind of criticism. Is it just because this idea is so difficult to quite to grasp? I think the, that's it. I think you just hit it on the head yeah. exactly. That people have these foundations and these pillars of their world are created on, and these ideas just absolutely come along and and take that all away and um it can be difficult for people i think just even watch the film and walk away it it can be too short of a time you know you might need days weeks some people might need months to really think about these ideas and let them absorb before you can really start to look at it properly well one of my reactions after watching the film is how am i going to be affected by this i mean i'm i plan on living to 2029 Mm -hmm, right i don't think that it's not that far off And how am I going to take advantage of the technologies? Will they be available to me? And I think for, this is a big question for me. How does this filter down to people like myself? I mean, I'm a regular guy doing a regular job somewhere. Mm-hmm. When will this be available to me in a sense, in a way that affects my life? As as Ray says in the film, we're getting to the point where for every – we can prolong your life for every year – well, how did he put well, it? For- in about 15 years, we'll, yeah. ha- we'll have come to the full flowering of the biotechnology revolution okay. where we'll be able to add another three months to every year that you are are going forward. Mm-hmm. So, like he says, the, the sands and the hourglass will be actually going in as opposed to going out, and you'll be able to increase your life going forward. I can bank some you time, bank. if you will. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be able to hit your ride to the next bridge, yeah. as he puts it, which is the nanotechnology revolution, where things will really get crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I do manage to make that bridge. So just uh, based on, on all the things that are in this film, it's uh, it's quite amazing. Yeah. I, I don't, I have no doubt that you will, Mike. Well, I, I appreciate wow. you saying it's over. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a lot of doubt. <laughs> It'll be an unnatural painful death. <laughs> the thing is, you have to see is that even in 10 years from now, technology will be so different than it is today that even even things that will come along that we can't even imagine right now are going to be able to help your health in just five years from now. The world will be a completely different place. And you can look to the past. You can look just seven, eight, eight nine years ago. We didn't have search engines. I mean, the world was a completely different place. How What would you do on a computer without a search engine? Mm-hmm. Sake? I wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah. You know, now we weren't doing that. In and in, in the film, there's some discussion about us being able to essentially with our own 
brains be able to be search will have access to every every database that's available sure. and well and we do already but it's through it's through a through technology interfacing through a technology right. on a computer but when that becomes merged with your brain you can see how in just a few seconds you can have all of the world's knowledge i want to talk about the the uh, professor in germany is it more is this last um i don't have the 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 gentleman who had this the chips in bed oh, kevin warwick warwick out of, out pardon of, me out of england really he's out of england, england. i'm sorry yeah, yeah, pardon me right uh, he had these this chips embedded in him. Right. Uh, where, w- explain a little bit about what he did and why he did Well, it. he just was became a guinea pig uh, by his own volition. I mean, he believed in, in these things, and he headed up a cybernetics department at uh, Reading University. Okay. And he decided to put his you know money where his mouth was and said, I'm going to do this, and he did. And, um, you know, in the film, we, we, we show, we reveal what he did, what shows, what, first he put just a simple chip in that the computer wherever he went in the building would recognize and that was obviously simple but then he put a, a much bigger chip in and he was able to actually put his nervous system on the internet and control uh, a robotic hand, hand right uh, across the Atlantic Ocean and uh, so we already can see how the internet can will be able to be this conduit for our thinking amazing now and I would say this about the film. Can I? And I know I'm, uh-huh. you know, I'm not supposed to gush, but I, this is a terrific documentary. You did a great job with it. The, the music, the the graphics, the, particularly at the beginning of the film when you're introducing a lot of information into mm-hmm. to us, mm-hmm. uh, you do a great job of bringing all of it in some very cool kind of ways. And so I want to congratulate because this is for a lot of people. I mean, I consider myself someone who reads a lot about things like this, mm-hmm. but for for me, an awful lot of new information from this film. So yeah. well, you thank nice, you. I yeah, really yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Now, you live in Irvine, you said. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Is is you feel like this this is a community that's vastly underrated? I do. I know I'm I'm going a little bit off track, but do you feel that that if any place with a singularity is going to kind of spread from, it's going to be out of a university like this? Or a I think Irvine's a wonderful community, really a world class place. I I do would take though uh, and point out that the singularity will not have a problem in in uh, making itself known in sub-Saharan Africa or. Mm-hmm. The Antarctica or anywhere in the world, it will. We will in the very near term. We will see places like Irvine um, do very well. But in in the long run, you'll see that um, pretty much every place will be the same in regards to technology. I'm I'm really concerned. I think my main concern is the, uh, the who is going to have access to it. And Let's talk about that. Yeah, there's there's one fellow in the film. I believe he's a, a writer, a newspaper man. He says, "Do we really want a lot of old codgers with a lot of money hanging around and mucking up the works?" Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of summarized that view. Is 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 it a, an expensive proposition to get on board? Well, you know, is your is your cell phone expensive today? I mean, twenty years ago, it would have been completely unaffordable. Uh, twenty five, thirty years ago, it would have been literally you would have had to been a billionaire to afford it. And they didn't work very good. So your cell phone today works really great and almost is practically free. And you'll see Google's coming out with free phones where you'll just be buying the service and soon it'll be ad-based and you won't have to pay for it at all. We have $50 computers that are making their way into sub-Saharan Africa. What you're seeing is, again, the cost of computation go down. And as informa- as it becomes part of information technology, you'll see, and, and nanotechnology assemblers arrive on the scene, you'll see um, things being able to create be created for very, very, very low cost. So you will have, uh, you know, the food that a village needs, the clean water that a village needs, and the roof over their hood, heads that they need. And you'll see their desire to to do anything but 
to let's say create works of art will will really really go down they'll they'll I mean, what is the purpose of why? Why do we go to war? Why do we have poverty? What are these? What are, what contributes to these resources? Types of, and, exactly, and, lack yeah. of resources. Lack so, of resources. if we're able to it to you know bridge that, then uh, you get rid of a lot of the problems in the world. Yeah. I just what, what I'm seeing though is I, maybe what I'm fearing is the the rough transitional stage yeah. mm-hmm. where there are maybe a hundred years time or fifty years time where there are people who will have a life that looks endless ahead of them. And people who don't have that life uh, wanting it, and and the type of conflicts and uh, uh, look that, at look at the very wealthy today, and look at, look at some of their technologies that they use. They drive, let's say, you have a rich person. They drive a Rolls Royce on the freeway. They're driving basically the same type of appliance that you drive. It does the same thing. Gets them from point A to point B on the same freeway. It goes the same about the it same speed. It goes about the same speed, has the same conveniences. Their computer does the same basic things. Their fridge does the same basic things. They go to the same markets to get their food. They're on the same 3G network. There's not a there's not a special network for rich people. There's not a special internet for rich people. So I think that technology will be for the masses and it will particularly going forward it will continue to be for more and more people and the cost will go down. Yeah. I, I that's that was that's the crux of it for me. It's just sort of we're in a race. It seems to me, in my mind, we're in a race to get to this point, and and at the same time, the planet is in a race not to be not to essentially undo itself by virtue of the environmental damage that's being done, and the long term effects of that. So it seems like, and and part of what this is about too is that not just the technology, uh, a revolution of technology; it's a revolution of the mind, mm-hmm. and, right. and and getting to a point where we understand that there there were there we are connected. That's right. We're not disconnected. We're not separate human beings we are in fact part of a, a greater community that's the race that's true we we will be racing against the clock uh in the next 20 years the 25 years will be an interesting period of time and a dangerous period of time it will be the period of time when we're not backed up so we could be destroyed our whole planet our whole civilization could be destroyed by an asteroid by a pandemic um by thermonuclear war so we, it is a race in that way but as you point out it's also an expansion of the mind the likes of which we have never realized. And so I would suggest that, you know, going forward, we have the opportunity to really reflect upon our better angels and and, um, and see a better day. I, I like you mm-hmm. use the phrase backed up. You mean in the computer sense, we back sure. up our informational base? Absolutely. Okay. We do already. I mean, I see CDs here of backed up music. We will continue to back up um, all our information mm-hmm. as it comes That's in real time. No. Well, go ahead, Mike. No, like no, I, was going, no. I was just going to ask, do you have, you know, th- you're in the midst of a lot of success right now, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Uh, your film's out. You must feel great. Do you have any projects out in the future that you're working on, or are you pretty much focused on what's happening well, now? Well, we, you know, we try to stay focused on, on still the task at hand, but um, we have a couple projects we're developing that uh, uh, kind of use the same themes that came out in Transcendent Man that have to do with accelerating change in the very near future. And they're sci-fi films, and I like to see those made, and that's what, what we're working on. Is this narrative or documentary? Nar- narrative. I, okay. I, don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll be returning to the doc genre anytime soon. I love it. I, I'm fascinated. My wife, Felicia, and I, we watch docs all the time. Yeah. But um, they're a lot of work, a lot of work. And um, it's a narrative film in your mind. Just a, you, you can control it. You can control it, and you can shoot it in a period of time that's controlled in, yeah. a, in a short window. And when you have children and things like that, it's just it becomes uh, that becomes important. Well, uh, it's fascinating, and I know that you know you put not only your your time and effort into you put a lot of financial of your own finances into this film. And let me say again, it, it's well 
it's a very, very well done documentary. I'd recommend it to anyone who's interested in the story of Ray Kurzweil or just a good documentary. So you, you check it out. Good luck on the distribution. Well, thank the, you. The thank film. you so much. Yeah. Uh, is this going to be screening anywhere uh, yeah. soon? We, we, I, I can't uh, say when we're going to have a, uh, screenings available, um, but my understanding is, and I would suggest that there will be, it will be in theaters where you'll be able to go see it. The locals who are listening right now to this radio station will be able to go see it in a local theater. Okay. Now, um, and then just keep checking the website for... The, yeah, the, if you can go on to transcendentmen.com and you can actually go to information and if you just put in your email address, we'll update you when yeah. it becomes available in your community, for example. Right, well, I'm excellent. so glad you were able to join us, not just join us here, but join us in person in the radio station. It's a, it's an honor to have you here and... Uh, we're going to have to get more of our filmmakers in the studio because yeah. this, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. So thank right. you. Mike, right. well, thank you. It was my pleasure, Mike and Nathan. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, the film is Transcendent Man, and we've been speaking with Derek Barry Ptolemy. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, Visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.